Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm here with Pastor Troy and I'm here with Josh. Hello. And we're all really excited to do this. Um, We've we've had caffeine. We've had (laughs) We are are reading through the book of Job. Job. And Job takes a long time. Best 37 chapters. To go through. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it's like uh, the entire week, just Job, and then all of next week will be just Job. Joke. And so, yeah, thankfully, we have like Romans. That. Yeah, and the Psalms are. Uh, we were in Psalm 92, 93, 94. But in Job, this section of Job. Yeah, thank you. Uh, in Job, this section of Job, we are um, really going through the friends as they progress through all their comments and so forth, and and then so it's just a back and forth. The whatever Bildad will say something and then Job will respond. And so then they, his friends will trash him because it's like Job won't agree with him. So they keep one upping him. It's like, it's like, if you're not going to agree with it, if you're not going to say, hey, you guys are right, then we're just going to keep coming harder and harder. It kind of reminds me of good friends. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Proverbs, uh, we're going to just some words of wisdom that are good to draw from. It, it kind of, that's why I like having Proverbs scattered throughout is because it kind of fits into wherever we're going. And then, uh, we are in Romans. Romans. <laughs> Thank you. We are. And uh, and the end of Romans, we are uh, talking about the first eight chapters of Romans are really good, and the last eight are just mediocre at best. <laughs> just no, the worst. No, no, no. We get into a period of Romans where Paul is really making a defense for the nation of Israel. So it is kind of interesting and fascinating stuff that we're going to be going through today. So it is. Um, and and there are. This is one of those times of reading that when you're reading and you have to stay faithful to it because within each of these lengthy passages where you see a lot of stuff that you're not really sure how it relates, there'll be some little nugget of truth that God will throw in there, and it will be very meaningful. So we're going to come back and reveal those nuggets of truth. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about um, a few things. We've got, I think, I think the general consensus is we've got stuff in Romans and stuff in Job is, is quite a bit of, of the yeah. material today. I'm going to start us off with Romans 12. And uh, my, my little section here, first of all, this week's reading of Romans was, was a lot. If yes. you're like a journaler, like there's a lot to journal on, and you could probably, I could think of like a whole sermon series just on this. Next well, he's throwing section. so much doctrine in such a, yeah, a small amount of space. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Which yeah, is why it's, it's important, though. It is Which important. Is why it's important. Yeah, <laughs> Romans is popular for a reason. But uh, in this little section, in Romans 12, 9 through 21, I'm not going to read it all, but it's head, the header is in my Bible is Christian ethics. Mm. And it's kind of like just like a list. This is how this is what I like in the Bible. When there's a clear list of do this, don't yeah. do this. I like those. They're not – I don't think they're meant to be exhaustive, but they're like – this is an example of what a Christian life looks like, right? And um, in this case, I really encourage you to go back and 
look at that list of stuff. It's just like, hey, starting out with love. Love is without hypocrisy. You know, detest evil, cling to what's good. All these in, like little snippets of instructions, almost kind of like the Proverbs were being like. But um, I just, I was, it's just cool to see and the, how the Christian life is one that takes the abuse of the world. Right and responds exactly opposite of the expectation to that abuse. There's a lot. There's so much talk in culture right now, and I think we will be de- defined. This moment in time uh, will be defined by um, certain buzzwords, and those buzzwords yeah. are like abuse. Mm-hmm. The word abuse is thrown around quite a bit. Um, the word um, bigot. Big. Yeah. Yeah. There. Um, uh, mental health is yeah. hyper focused on right now. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not a big deal. It's just that it's more focused on now than probably any other time in history, and will probably will be a reaction mm-hmm. of that in future years. Um, but just looking at the culture that we're in, John Mark Comer calls it this cultural moment that we're in. Hmm. Um, and just looking at how the Christian responds in this passage um, should be that of exactly opposite of the expectation of the world. So are you afflicted? be patient like the world would say if you're afflicted take action and this says right. in verse uh, 12 it says be patient in your affliction are you are you shown honor well in verse 10 it says find a way to give it away give your honor away associate with humble people are you wronged well don't handle it yourself let the mm. lord handle mm. it for you don't even to the extent where you don't stick up for yourself that mm. is hugely um contested in a lot of circles um are you being attacked? Then personally see to the needs of the person attacking you. Yeah. That's crazy. And and not and it doesn't say like pray for them and that will be yeah. your extent of seeking their needs. No, like take care of their physical needs. Yeah. If they're thirsty, give them something to that kind of thing. Are you being um or do you have a group of popular friends? Mm-hmm. Right. It says ditch them for the lower ones. Verse 16. Like this whole thing is like these totally counterculture responses mm-hmm. to things we encounter every day. And that will set aside the Christian from the person of the world. Um, and it is so, so easy to find Bible places that'll say, hey, um, you know, it, you, you can Bible your way out of these instructions, yeah. right? It's so I see people do it all the time. I do it where it's like, oh, um, this, ab- this person is abusive to you. So you should never talk. You should not affiliate with that person anymore. Yeah. I'm not saying willingly submit yourself to abuse all the time, <laughs> but I'm saying you should seek their good, not yeah. seek to avoid them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, that's the mark of the Christian. The mark of the world would go with worldly wisdom and just say, well, ditch them and find somebody who will treat you the way you deserve. And, you know, Jesus did not respond that way to abuse. Mm-hmm. Um so, so I think it's I think this section, while it can be encouraging, it's also very very hard to live as because when I'm hurt by people, I don't immediately want to go seek their good. Mm-hmm. When I'm, uh, you know, when I have popular friends, I don't immediately want to go find the humble yeah. and and associate with them. Um, I don't I don't like being afflicted, and and I try to get out of affliction as much as possible. But it says be patient in that, and and I struggle with all this stuff quite a bit. So the more I read this and just this section, the more um, more humbling it is because I realize I'm really not that good of a Christian. Yeah. And um, so, hmm. so I'm just anyway. That just was kind of my my thoughts. Yeah. This, this is a this is one of those huge chapters of uh, that ties back to really our philosophical understanding of life. Uh, there's a there's a word called ontology or and thinking of our ontological understanding of ethics. And uh, and that's like a 
$5 word or whatever. For, oh, my goodness. But for the purpose of understanding that when we think of why we do what we do, and when you have this list that Paul is going through of don't do this and and, and, and a lot of commands, a lot of imperatives uh, where he's saying do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know. Uh, and let, for instance, just let love be without hypocrisy. Just even that, just that. Where does that come from, and why do we do that? And and the reason why we are people who do love and who do care for others and who do try to be patient. And it's like what our motivation behind that really filters down to uh, three things: tradition, uh, reason, experience. If we are apart from God, because the the fourth would be because God reveals this to be so. And we believe in that. We believe we do it because God reveals to be so. We were talking about, in, in the break, we were talking about how there are some people who uh, who we read it in the Bible and we say, oh, yes, that's this is what we should do. But because in our, our reasoning for the why, why we do what we do is not necessarily because God reveals it, but because of tradition. Mm-hmm. It, and what... What happens in the church so often is you have people who are being loving and kind and patient because we were taught to do so by our parents. Mm-hmm. And so we believe that this is what I do because this is what I was taught to do. Yeah. Or this is what I've learned to do because mm-hmm. of experience. I, when I'm kind to people, I get this positive response. Or just logically thinking this is the best way to be as behave in society. And we make these arguments all the time, and the world makes these arguments all the time. The problem is, is that when those, those are really secondary reasons why we do anything. We can, they can feed why we do, but when those become primary reasons, then when the Bible reveals Mm -hmm. what it says, we're like, now that doesn't make sense to me, Mm -hmm. or my tradition, it goes against my tradition, Mm -hmm. or it goes against what I've experienced, and we're not remembering that our fallen nature makes our experiences, our traditions, and our reasoning fallible. And, and so this is where the big, uh, big problem that's come in the church today is we, we have to be able to figure things out like with those three things. It's like, yeah, no, this is not what my parents taught me to do. Mm-hmm. Or we say things like, no, this is, I've done this before and it doesn't work. Or we say, oh, no, no. If you think about it, this doesn't make any sense to do it this way. Right. And that's how we inform ourselves when we're making these decisions. And Paul's saying, no, we do what we do because God says God says this is what yeah. we do. And and then, uh, yeah, and you can inform that with these, uh, those other things. But uh, but you have to recognize your tradition is wrong your, or your tradition mm-hmm. is fallible. Wow. Mm-hmm. Your experience is fallible. Your reasoning is fallible. You can't trust the way you think. And so we go back to the word and we see these things. And. And, and you know, that's really the biggest stress I have as a pastor. When I get into, you know, everybody's like, well, uh, this guy's standing in way of your agenda or this or this didn't or you don't get enough money and these things. That those Like those would be the biggest stresses. Yeah. By far, the biggest stressor in my pastoral ministry is when I have two members who are both trying, who do not love each other mm-hmm. and, and can't, do not show love to one another. They love me. And so it's not an issue of them not loving me. They both love me, but they don't love each other. It's also the biggest stressor I have in my home when mm-hmm. my children <laughs> don't love each other, mm-hmm. when they don't get along, uh, when there's not harmony. <laughs> well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the biggest stressor of my home is when my wife, <laughs> when, <laughs> when I don't know if my wife loves me or not, <laughs> uh, or, or, or she questions whether I love her. And and usually those two go hand in hand. She doesn't think I'm loving her, and so she's not really know how to respond to that. Uh, but it's a that, feeding thing. Uh, it, that one feeds another, yes. But uh, when we are not getting along, but but the um, and and you know you you think about it, you have two people who love Jesus, 
we shouldn't we always everything should be cool all the time right i mean it's like the, like the disciples should have never fought about anything it's like <laughs> let's just ask jesus what he thinks and then we're all good with it but uh we know that's not the case and it's because that we are constantly slipping into this fallen mindset we have to constantly be going that's why we're that's why we go back through the word it's like have i read romans 12 before yes <laughs> i have read it Many, 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 many times, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Romans uh, 12:1. Uh, be, by you know, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I I've read that a million times mm-hmm. it seems, yet I have to be reminded of it. Oh my goodness, wait a second, <laughs> my life is not my own. Yeah. So the the my line of thinking right now is about uh, is believing my life is my own. I'm making this decision on a logic or reason that my life is my own and I need to make this decision on how this is going to affect me. And and yet I just read that no, I was told by God to present my body a living sacrifice, so I'm making the decision as if my life is not my own. And uh, And those two are in conflict all the time. And we have to wrestle through those things on a daily basis. Uh, and um, And sadly, unsuccessfully mm. <laughs> on on any given on any given day so that's a, it's a it's a powerful passage if there was if there was a chapter i don't know to read every day I, that would be one to do at least to be reminded of at least to commit it to memory anyway yeah. I, I don't want to say too much because i'm going to make myself feel guilty but, <laughs> but i definitely have not committed to guilty but uh, rick warren gives a little uh, abbreviation for uh, people who are difficult and he calls them egrs which means extra grace required mm-hmm. and um, and I just remind myself that uh, that when we encounter people on a daily basis, they are not doing great at being who it is that God has called. They're just forgetting, re- not remembering, and, and falling back into that traditional mindset of this is how I made decisions yesterday, so I'll probably just make decisions like that again today. Mm-hmm. And and the really challenging part of that is you can get it right for 30 years, mm-hmm. every day for 30 years. And then all of a sudden, just lose it all over again, and then and fall right back into that old way of thinking and behavior. Not to make not a good. No, I'm gonna get just depressed. Uh, <laughs> over that. But anyway, but very good, Daniel. So anyway, I I kind of cheated because I really piggybacked on that. Uh, he did actually. He was gracious. That's <laughs> what it was. He he had that section too, and he let me go first, so he yes. piggybacked. Um, so. I appreciate that. But I think I'm the most gracious because I didn't even touch Romans 12. So Wow. You <laughs> are the most. What did you cover, Josh? Know. There you go. Well, let, let Segway. Me, no, choice no. Oh, not wait, done. It's me. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. You got more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That wow. gave me. So I said I'm cheating. <laughs> I piggybacked on yours and I'm throwing in another passage. Yeah. But this wow. comes from Psalm. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Liberties. Um, it's probably in Romans 12 somewhere that I either should or should not do this. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, don't, I'm not going to go back and read it now. Uh, traditionally, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Psalm 94 says this, uh, Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him rest from days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. Um, I am always so grateful how God has given us uh, his word. Um you know, I think about how many people in the world don't have access to the truth mm-hmm. and who never get to understand the word, and yet we are inundated with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and each, uh, every day, every day, 
I, and just think about it. every day I am inundated with instruction from God's word. Mm-hmm. I uh, and and that uh, and that's what I believe that's what the psalmist is saying. He says I he just felt enormously blessed to have access understanding of what God says, and and we get that to the nth degree. I mean, we you know we spend so much time talking about. Uh, you know, do we understand this minutia of this passage and, and this little aspect of this and what's this doctrine mean and so forth and wish we could have more and more and more and more and more and more. But to think that uh, we have uh, uh, the Bible, the Word of God on our phone, to see it in in, uh, in literature, to we watch movies and it's there and it's, uh, you know, and, and when you, and when we see it, you'll, you'll be listening to a song, what we would call quote unquote a secular song uh, and yet, I mean, pay, not even paying attention to. We have tons of amazing Christian music that we didn't mm-hmm. used to have. <laughs> right. That uh, we have tons of that now, all the time, just reinforcing the Word of God. But then you'll be listening to something where you don't expect it, and you'll hear it, mm-hmm. and it'll, and you'll, and you're like, ah, that's from the Word of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll recognize it as God's Word. Well, think about how many people don't, mm-hmm. and don't even recognize that that is God mm-hmm. speaking to them, and how it just takes so little, just a little, little tiny bit of God's Word. And you go from darkness to light, you go from death to life, and and then and your life is forever changed. And we are showered in it over and over and over again. And uh, and that's and the reason he does it is to give us rest from the days of adversity. Mm-hmm. How much better our lives are as a result of having complete and total access to the Word of God. It's just a it's a very humbling thing. It really should remind me that I never have reasons to complain mm-hmm. because I I have I have always a word that God gives me to deal with whatever it is I'm facing. I mean, it doesn't matter what I was really I was reminded of it because we really did have a tough week in in worldly terms. Um, because I had a daughter who they thought had cancer, and my wife, of course, does have cancer. And both we we had one who was getting these incredible results on Tuesday from surgery, and one on Wednesday. And people were like, "How are you handling this?" And I and I thought about how little stress actually was created by it. I mean, we we really were what should have been some of the worst days of our life were by far not the worst days of our life. In fact, we came and I were having this discussion the other day, thought, thinking we were we were just having a moment. You know your life's pretty good when you have to think back to what are the worst days we've ever had, mm-hmm. you know? And like I said, things that you, if we had been told 30 years ago that we'd be going through what we're going through now or even knew other people who are going through those things, instantly in our minds we're thinking, how would you survive that? How would oh, yeah. you make it through that? Yet this is, I don't want to say it's a cakewalk, but it's like, but God has, God's word has constantly just everything we needed to know, everything we needed for that moment to remind us, everything's good, you know, and, and we can move on. Uh, to And my children to have that, to be able, for them to instantly have the word of God to go, well, dad, God's word says this. And, and it'd be like, oh, well, then that changes my whole perspective mm-hmm. on I'm not going to feel bad today. I'm going to feel okay today. We're going to make it through. We're going to press forward. And 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 his word informs us of that. It really helps you understand what the definition of blessed is. And uh, and so uh, and and I used to I used to say I was blessed, but really didn't believe I was blessed. But I think as I get older, I grow to I grow a greater appreciation of what it means to be blessed. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Well, I'm in Job. Speaking um, of blessed. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Job obviously has just gone through it. And um, I'm not saying that I've gone through as much as Job has, but these past few weeks have just been really rough on me, um, just in every way possible, it seems like. And it seems like the world's crumbling around me. And so I've been in the same position of Job of just like, oh, God, I'm very mad at you, or I'm mad at the people around me, or I just don't like any of these situations, and I don't know how to get out of it. And um, so when we were reading through it this week, um, I come upon a passage um, that has affected me since I read it the first time, and it was on July 9th, 2019. I have it written in here, but the verse is, You put my feet in the stocks and watch all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. And I just realized again just reading it I'm limited and that God like God is not limited and so I think a huge theme we just need to see in Job and that I need to hold on to as the coming weeks happen is that I don't have the answers Mm -hmm. you know like as we get into the the part where where God is you know saying to Job hey do you catch the prey for the lions do you you know the nose and the or the ring in the nose of the leviathan like all these mm-hmm. things it's like no you don't do you catch a leaf in the wind when it falls no you don't and so i wanted to share something in a book that i'm also reading called none like him and it's an explanation of who god is um to our best ability to our limited ability and let me just say this author her name's jen wilkin in her words i the first sentence of this book i was like oh my gosh, like this is just already an incredible picture of who God is. And this is the first sentence. On the day I was born, the doctor who delivered me inscribed my birth records with a firm hand. Seven pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches. It was the first legally attested evidence that I was not God. And she goes on a little bit to explain how even before she, you know, was uh, just even able to think in her brain that I'm going to be deliberately, you know, rebelling against God, all these things. But it says um, this at the end of, the second paragraph, the chasm between who God is and who I am had already been firmly established by the simple fact that I was measurable. And mm. I, I remember that's sentence number three um, of wow. the book. And I just sat there in awe of saying, wow, like I am so small and I'm so limited and God isn't. And again, just both of these things hitting me this week of you've set a limit for me and I'm measurable mm. and God, you are not you are not measurable and that we can search you forever and ever. And you have all wisdom and all knowledge and all providence and all sovereignty and all power and all of this that I have no need to, mm. to even want, you know, to catch a leaf in the wind or want to hunt the, the prey for the lion. You know, I don't, I don't even need to do that because my hope is in the God who is limitless. Um, mm. And, you know, he's created me to, to, do what he wants me to do and I can I can sit in that and I can serve um, me being limited I can serve a limited God um, who's given me my own limits to to live in which is humbling and uh, yeah necessary for me for these past few weeks so mm. solid yeah very cool very cool yeah Job is cool <laughs> oh my god Job he's alright he's, he's, he's alright um, so yeah it's a lot cooler at the end but we'll get to, I'm sure we'll hit, we'll probably we'll get there next week right yeah yeah we do the end yeah. and then we start Ecclesiastes the end of Job Ecclesiastes oh, the gosh. other fun Ooh, book uh, yeah, exactly. love Ecclesiastes <laughs> um, yeah so I'm, I'm gonna jump back to Romans 11 um, verse 25 I'll just read it it's kind of a weird verse to 
to have gotten something out of, I feel like, but um, it says, So that you will not be conceited, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. A partial hardening has come to Israel until the full number of Gentiles has come in. Being a Gentile, I appreciate that partial hardening <laughs> in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, the more you read Romans, it has this like image of this tree, right? And you have to, to understand Romans, you have to be comfortable with the, the tree of life mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, because the, the, the family of faith, for the longest time, was really just Israel and those who wanted to be mm-hmm. like Israel, right? And so um, when the Gentiles came in, like the tree was like cut, cut and grafted, right? It's not that the promises to Israel were not um, ever going to be fulfilled. It's not that they lost their place with God, but there was a grafting that Gentiles got to come on to that tree. And, uh, and so I, being a Gentile myself, I really appreciate that fact. Um, and, and it's funny because it says, um, a partial hardening has come on Israel until the full number of Gentiles has come in. Well, the full number of Gentiles hasn't come in. So that means there's still mm-hmm. like a partial hardening of Israel. And I hate that. Like the idea that people can be like even partially hardened, like yeah. a group of people could be for my sake. Like I am so grateful that that happened for me and for the people that I know. I don't know any Jews. <laughs> so yeah. it's like all the people I witnessed to <laughs> are like have this spot in this place in person and so so like in my personal context i i guess i do i do a lot of griping and complaining i I feel like um and like you know why aren't these people understanding why aren't these people getting Mm -hmm. the message why aren't these people and and i get like why aren't they so so on board like i feel like they could be like what's holding Mm -hmm. them up um why is this person hard-hearted or hard-headed and and, and I think that maybe God is doing a work that I'm just not aware of, yeah. right? And I think that's the lesson for us Gentiles surrounded by Gentiles mm-hmm. can learn from this I, from this concept is that God's not done grafting onto the tree, no. but he, de- he accelerates people, decelerates people in their development for reasons, like mm-hmm. good reasons. The good reason that he decelerated Israel is so that I could come on board yeah, and mm. that other people like me could come on board. And I love that. I don't love it for them. You know, they're, they're, they have a part to play in their heart. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, um, but when I get frustrated that other people maybe aren't moving in the same direction that I'm moving in or when I see things happening that, like, mm-hmm. you know, associate with people, we all have people that frustrate us uh, mm-hmm. routinely, yeah. right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, of course, because I love everybody. Right. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it gives me some measure of peace to know that, like, you know, maybe, first of all, maybe their, maybe their development is forthcoming. Mm-hmm. But also maybe sometimes it's my development mm-hmm. that's that's forthcoming that I'm I just pray and, and mm-hmm. eagerly long for the Lord to give me more give me more grace more grace more grace more grace and am I, am, am I content with that dynamic yeah. I think is the big question that I asked myself this week and I think so often my answer is no I'm mm-hmm. not content with um, God developing people at the <laughs> rate that He develops people yeah. I'm not content with the rate that He develops me I spent a long time. Um, thinking and being under the impression that if I can't be the most faith-filled mm-hmm. person, yeah. not only in the room but in like history, mm-hmm. then I am somehow like disappointing God, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't like deal with that. Um, and and I dealt with I, I don't know I I still even saying it I still deal with a lot of like insecurity yeah. there um, because I want to be I want to do great things for God I want to excel I want to reach my full potential, but um, the idea that that God you know, God has moments of growth mm-hmm. with people and moments of um, even even like holding them off mm-hmm. for his mm-hmm. reasons. 
are is very very challenging for me um, personally, and and uh, so I don't I don't know how content I am in those moments. I think that's mm-hmm. an area where I need to grow. Um, it, so that's kind of my devotional moment yeah. is just realizing that I am not like you said, Josh. Like I'm yeah. not God. I'm not um, fully aware of everything in the cosmos going on. Yeah. I just see mm. me and the people close to me, and I don't even see all that. You know, Scripture says mm. we look in a mirror at, like dimly. Yeah. Right. Like I, yeah. don't, I don't even see my own situation the way it really is. So. Mm. Um, well, it just kind of reminds us to we need to give grace to ourselves as well. You know, mm. like we are limited. You know, like that's kind of a big thing that I'm hearing you say as well. Like yeah. I am limited. And then we have to realize, Oh, other people are limited, which is what Paul says in Romans 12 in the beginning versus yeah. like <clears throat> one through three. He basically says, Hey, give grace to those. Um, because I've, gi- well, God has given them a measure of faith that they have that you don't have. Right. And so give grace to those who have a different measure of faith than you. And I remember there was, <laughs> it was last year sometime where I was like really mad at some people who were just not serving, uh, in some of the college stuff that I was doing and I was just mad. And I read that passage and I was like, Oh yeah, the Lord has them. I mean, he, they have limits just as I have limits Mm -hmm. and he's not there with them yet. And that's okay. And it was humbling and I was frustrated at myself. And then, you know, yeah. and, and I think the temptation for me is to think that it's always the other person yeah, who needs to grow. Yeah, it's always them and not right? me. Right, it's never me that needs to grow. <laughs> yeah, I'm always growing at my full mm-hmm. potential. They're always uh, just yeah. not. They're always not trying. They're not doing anything. And I think sometimes it's true, but because I know that I, I know what I, where I'm at mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And looking back, I could be more honest with my past yeah, self than I can absolutely. with my present self. Uh, and so. I love the tension that is built there in Scripture of hey, give grace to those people, um, but also don't just focus on them. You know, mm-hmm. like again, Joe, like you, what I just read, you, you have a set of limits too, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty cool. And he's also pointing out that, uh, that God has used that the, the difficulties of the other person to show grace to us mm-hmm. by them making the mistakes that they're making. It actually helps us to grow closer in our yeah. own relationship yeah. with mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Right. And, and saying that, uh, you are looking at, you are complaining about this person or mm-hmm. judging this other person when really, uh, yeah, they may be going through a difficult time and a time of separation, but I have now incorporated that into my purpose and plan in order to bring you closer to a greater understanding of who I am. And so even more so, you should then wish or pray that they also will then be granted that same opportunity mm-hmm. and hopefully not through your weakness or yeah. difficulty. Uh, and. And, and just to look back in history, when you see the Jewish people, uh, when they were faithful, God was using them in, in such an incredible way that it was it was they were the ones while these other nations are being completely heinous and difficult and always trying to draw them away from the faith. And and yet here they had been asked to uh, to be faithful to God and so forth and to resist this and be pure in their lifestyles and so forth. And for all this history. And now we look and say, well, aren't we so great? Because here we are. And it's like, mm-hmm. You weren't even part of the plan. Right. You know, if they had not been faithful historically and, and we have a really difficult time connecting ourselves in a larger sense. We, we think of ourselves individually, like how does this affect me right. in my moment right now instead of seeing me as a part of a greater group of people as that I am part of a human race and mm-hmm. and, uh, and look how we have not handled this very well. Mm-hmm. And and traditionally, we are not doing so great in, in how we are doing it, especially the church today. When you look at it and think 
the church is not doing such a bang up job if you look at us collectively. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and you keep wanting to say to God, but I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And he's like, are you? <laughs> are you doing great? Because if you were doing super great, uh, wouldn't they be doing better? Right. You know, because you were being so faithful, they would be drawn to your faithfulness and, and so yeah. forth. But um, so it's, it's it, it, at the end of the day, it has to go back to, oh, well, God's, God's the good one, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I also picked a passage from Romans, and it's a man. There's some Romans is such a tough, tough uh, passage, uh, or several books, but um, this comes from Romans nine. He says, "You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us when he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles? Hot shots. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when you think of the idea and and the term is vessels of wrath, um, you think there's the the problem is you when you get into this, we get into this mindset of, oh, my goodness, if God created it's like on one side, we say, well, this just can't be true. Yeah, because. Uh, and he even says, Jacob, have I loved Esau? Have I hated? Mm-hmm. And so here he picks Jacob to be the bearer of his name. When we see the events unfolding, Jacob's not doing anything good. No. <laughs> and, and Esau's not, uh, I mean, is not doing anything any worse than what Jacob is doing. <laughs> uh, Esau's the older child. He's the firstborn and so forth. Um, there's a passage from uh, Daniel. I appreciate this from Four Ezra uh, in the first century. It says, uh, "For this reason, therefore, shall all the sojourners in the earth suffer torture, because having understanding, they yet wrought iniquity, and having and receiving precepts, they yet kept them not, and having obtained the law, they set not at not that which they received." What then will they have to say in the judgment, or how shall they answer in the last times? For how long a time hath the Most High been long-suffering with the inhabitants of the world, not for their sakes indeed, but for the sake of the times which he has ordained? Uh, so, Can you explain that? Because yeah. I have no idea what he Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, speaking <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. yeah. So this like, is going uh... back so going back to the Jews in the first century, that they were talking about that God here is being patient with man for some reason Apart from what is good for man, meaning that he is uh, he is long suffering and being patient, not because he's trying to save us, mm-hmm. but because he has because he's actually trying to uh, because this fits into God's will. Gotcha. And if you go back into Romans one and two, God Paul is trying to make a case here, mm-hmm. and that's why Romans you have to read the whole right. thing because if you just took this passage by itself, it, it you would almost you can't leave it thinking Mm-mm. oh wait god just says i'm this and you're that right. and we don't have any say in it he's specifically addressing it and then his response is yeah that's exactly what i'm saying right. and 
you can't really say anything about it because he's the one who makes us. Mm-hmm. And so who are you to say anything? Because we're limited. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey. <laughs> but, but you have to go back to Romans 1 and 2 when yep. Paul's when Paul's also spelled out, mm, God revealed to the whole world who yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. We all have an opportunity to respond to his grace. We're going to be held accountable for mm-hmm. how we respond to the grace that God has given. And he is constantly to every – and this is something you believe in faith. Every person on the planet, God has revealed himself as to who he is. And that person is going to be held accountable for how they responded to that revelation of God. Um, Because so you can never say this person, this man on the island, so to speak, has no idea about who God is. But because God says, nope, I've made myself known Mm -hmm. to him and he will be held accountable for how he responded to what I revealed. Um, We have a special revelation of who Jesus is, which is something we should not take for granted. And we are commanded to share that. And, and so people are like all the time say, well, if God's got it all figured out, then what's the point of me going out and sharing evangelistically about who Jesus is? And it's like, well, because God commanded us to do that, that yeah. he said that is also a part of his plan. It's like asking, why should I pray if God's just going to do what he wants anyway? Well, because if you want to be part of his plan mm-hmm. and he invites you to be part of his plan, he commands you to pray. And he says that when you pray, it affects what he does. He also says that I can't thwart his will. Mm-hmm. Meaning if I refuse to pray, he is still going to accomplish that which he sets out to do. Meaning if I don't pray, possibly, and this we kind of get from Esther, we talked about. That's what Mordecai said. He right. said, you know, he said, you can choose not to do this right now, but it's still going to get done, and you and your family are going to die, mm-hmm. <laughs> and God's going to accomplish it through some other right. means. He's going to get done what he wants to do. It's just that we're all going to suffer unnecessarily as a result of it. And that's a that's a pregnant statement, you know, and, what he, and, and so that's, and that's why I was when you look back at the passage in, in for Ezra that it is that's how the Jews under have understood God, you know, from the beginning. Uh, this make you even more excited. This is from the Apocrypha, which is not authoritative, but I'm just going to share it with you mm-hmm. uh, because um, the um, uh, the second this is, comes from Second Maccabees. He says, now I urge those who read this book not to be depressed by such calamities, but to recognize that these punishments were designed not to destroy, but to discipline our people. Mm-hmm. In fact, not to let the impious alone for long, but to punish them immediately is a sign of great kindness. For in the case of other nations, the Lord waits patiently to punish them until they have reached the full measure of their sins, but mm-hmm. he does not deal this way with us. Uh, so you have God's patience with the nations, uh, giving us occasion to make their judgment worse, but also using it as a means to uh, help his own people. And and so here, what you have is you have God saying to us, uh, look, I, I'm not saying to you uh, that, I mean, there really are people, yes, Pharaoh, and he uses the example of Pharaoh, that Pharaoh was a vessel of wrath, but but Pharaoh knew who God was, yeah. had every opportunity to respond to his grace. But since he had chosen not to respond to the grace of God, then God steps in and takes his disobedience and then amps it up mm-hmm. to uh, to provide a way to even show greater grace to his own people and goodness to him. So the and this kind of fits into the things that we, Daniel was sharing from Romans earlier. It's he's taking the the bad things that people are doing around you. God's taking those bad things and going to use it as a means to display his wrath, which will right. bring glory to him. But he's also using a way to bless you, mm-hmm. to make your life better. And so when you, it's all, I mean, that's where that Romans eight twenty eight, and this yeah. is all, this is these 9, 10, 11, 12, really is God explaining Romans eight twenty eight. He's saying, you know, I work all things together for yeah. those who love me and are called according to my purpose. 
and, and what he means by that is is that when you have adversity occurring in your life, when you when you say, why do I have this bad boss, or why is my husband abusive, or why is my, not that you should celebrate that, or love that, or be glad for that, or whatever, but he's, God's saying, you know what, I see that. I see that, and I, I'm going to punish that. I'm mm-hmm. going to take care of it. You do not have to punish it. You do not have to seek your own justice. Yeah. I'm going to take what is happening to you, make your life better as a result, reveal more of my grace to you through it, and I'm going to pour out wrath upon them and judge them for the things that they are doing. And uh, and and we are uh, and we are and and so we do look at God and say, when you say, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. God's saying. You know what a goofy question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, because like, like nothing's it's like, comparable to what our, what our reward will be. Well, you and, know? and it all the baseline, the baseline, mm-hmm. and it would it would not make sense were it not for the revelation of Christ. I mean, that goes back to John three sixteen. That it's <laughs> like I don't think God loves me, and God's like, okay, let's get this straight. <laughs> this is how much I love you. Mm-hmm. I sacrificed my son. So that my right. only son, my only begotten son, so that uh, if you will believe in him, that you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. Through his death, your sins are forgiven and you're restored to me. I've restored you. Right. You were deserving of wrath, but I've given you an escape from wrath by pouring out my wrath upon my own son. In the same the same wrath that I had stored up for Pharaoh, I poured out on right. Christ. Uh, and yet... And so for Pharaoh, if Pharaoh had just simply said, you know what, I'm going to, I deserve, he has built up this wrath and built up this wrath and built up this wrath, and God would have gladly taken all the wrath he had built up for Pharaoh and poured it out on Jesus if Pharaoh had just simply had trusted God for his salvation. But instead, Pharaoh, his heart was hardened, and he said, no, I want to, I want to take whatever responsibility for my own actions. And God's like, good. (laughs) then I will pour it out. And and that same thing is offered to each of us is that we each have an opportunity to have the wrath that is stored up for us, all the things that we've done wrong to be, um, they're going to be poured out on us unless we put our trust in Christ that he's been, and he says, this is how much I love you. Because we're so worthy of that wrath, so deserving of wrath, so I poured it out on you. So now everything that happens to you, you have to look through that lens. It's like so. I, and I, the greatest example I ever had of this was uh, Dr. James Dobson was sharing a story about how his son had an inner ear infection and so forth, and how uh, he had taken him to the doctor, and the doctor says, "I'm going to have to take this device and go into his ear and get this out or whatever." And uh, and he said they took him and tied him down to the table and took this device. And he said, I stood there in the room. And he said, he screamed and he screamed and he screamed. And he said, then he stopped screaming. And he said, he just glared at me. Mm. And he said, he wasn't mad at the doctor. Yeah. He was looking at me like, you, of yeah. all people. He said, I trusted you. I, right. I, you, you know, he says, you, you said you loved me. And yet mm-hmm. here I, you're watching me as I go through this incredible pain and torture and you're letting this happen to me. How you've, you've betrayed me, you know, and there's nothing worse in the eyes of a two-year-old, you know, yeah. looking at you because they can't verbally express it. Right. You can just see that, you know, what is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, that's how we are with God. You know, God is looking at us and he, with every part of your being, and I, and that uh, makes me emotional because I, I had to go through that with my own son, and I remember that. I remember we were we had gone through this procedure. Jonathan had fallen, he had busted his head open, and he had to get stitches put in. And I kept saying to him, "It's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over." And they had put him in this papoose to hold him still and to immobilize him. He was like a year and a half old, 
And uh, and so they let him out of the papoose, and I'm holding him, and it's all mm-hmm. over. And they're like, oh, we forgot to do this. Oh, and I was like, no. He's oh, like, no, 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 no. And it's like, no, we have to give him this shot, you know, and so forth. And when they pulled him out of I mean, it was just like, and he starts this blood-curdling oh. scream. And, you know, you're just like, I just want to punch the doctor. I If I had a machete, I'd just take everybody out right now. Right. And you're thinking that. But you have to, but you, but I remember that story from Dr. Dobson, even in that moment, I was like, no, I, I have to be strong enough. If I really yeah. love him, I have to let them do what's best for him yeah. in this moment. And that is what God is doing. You know, the thing to always remember, and when you're in that pain and that difficulty, that your father in heaven is looking at you really with tears in his eyes going, if I could stop this, if there were any other way. Mm-hmm. And, and we have this experience given to us firsthand mm-hmm. with his own son. Yeah. As Jesus looks up at him, sweating blood and tears, yeah. and and says, "Father, really, Daddy, if you could, if you really could get me out of this, I would really, really like that about right now." Mm-hmm. And right. and the father is like, "If there was any other way," mm-hmm. and you think about that, he's saying, "If there was any other way," he's not saying that there is another way. If you take us out of the equation, yeah. if he loves. Jesus more than us at that point, then he would have let him out. Yeah. But he's like, I have such great love for these people, you know, and that's what you have to identify. He's put your, yeah. you know, put your name in that equation. He's like, I have such great love for Josh or mm-hmm. Daniel or Troy, and that I, I'm going to, you have to do this. And well, and we see that play out with Jesus and Lazarus. Like yeah. the reason he cries is not because. He's dead, but because death has entered the world through sin, yeah. you know, and it's like that moment of he was never meant to die. Yeah, yeah, and that, and then he just, and then he does what what God does. He says, "Get up, come out," and you know, again, that's that's what God wants for His people is for us to to not be dead, <laughs> you know, and yeah, or be not, separated well, from and not him. to suffer. We were never yeah, meant to suffer. Right. We were never meant to experience pain. We mm. were meant to be given everything and and through grace and, yeah. and enjoy life and fellowship with Him. Uh, and uh, and because sin entered the world, we we have pain and mm-hmm. difficulty, and it's not God's fault. Yeah. It's just a, it's it's He's trying. He's found a way to keep us from dying. Right. And uh, and but it, it cost Him everything. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm um, still in Romans as well, and it's pretty short, but it's Romans 15, 17 through 18, and it says this, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. And then he goes on to continue and talk about what all um, the Lord has done through him. And I just, this understanding of there is some sort of biblical pride and I feel like sinful saying that, but understanding that, you know, we can be proud of what God's doing in us and through us, um, and, and be okay with that. And like, even saying that right now, I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I should be saying that, but it's true because Christ has saved us. He's redeemed us and he's done a work in us and, um, and, and look what he's doing through us. And it's a way for us to, you know, look back just like Israel could look back and say, look, we've come this far because of him. You know, um, I build an Ebenezer here to prove, Hey, look, this is what God's done in my life. And so Hmm. it was just something that I had to, you know, again, just cling on to like, Hey, don't focus on all that's happening around you, but focus on, Hey, look what Christ has done and what he's doing right now. Yeah. And be proud of that and be thankful and excited. And so 
yeah, that was super simple, but simple, not simple, super simple, simple. <laughs> super simple and just something that was, you know, really important to me this mm. week. So yeah. cool. Good deal. Cool. Yeah. We don't celebrate what God does yeah. when it has to do with us. Cause we're like, I have to be humble and meek and, yeah, you we know, which is we, true as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tightrope, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. so much else is, mm-hmm. uh, we we're afraid of being prideful in ourselves or being perceived as prideful in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we won't celebrate what God's done. And, uh, yeah, we have a model of that. We just don't utilize it because we're afraid of being considered prideful people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But God really does good work, you know? Yeah. Like, I look at myself a few years ago, and I'm like, wow, God's God's done good work. And yeah. and he's got a lot a lot of work to do still. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, and, and, and it's not – actually, when we don't do it, it reveals more pride than when we yeah. do yeah. because we are, we are believing it is us. Taking credit yeah. for it, yep. yeah. The reason why you're not taking credit is because you believe it is you doing it. Yeah, right. Right. All right. Well, let's pause and uh, see see if we have any questions uh, when we come back. All right, we are here with questions regarding the book of the Bible, dun, 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 dun. known as, I think our question's out of Romans, if I'm not mistaken. It is. It is. There are so many questions in Romans Dude. that we could deal with and handle. We, But apparently, we handled it so faithfully, so faithfully. that nobody had, nobody's had any questions. Oh, that's but. right. Well, let me just apologize real quick, because I didn't realize my second devotional point was not in this week's uh, reading. Yes. It's cool. Sorry. Nobody yeah. picked and up on it but us. Listen, and to make it even worse, my question comes from what we've already covered before sorry and it's in romans 1 but But it's a good question it is a good question in fact you could say that the question you are getting to ask because i'm privy to it from the break uh is really a question that is about romans the entire letter yes that's what made me think of this question yeah there you go okay so i actually don't exactly know no it's verse 24 romans 1 verse 24 says therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, and goes on to further explain what all they were doing. And so yes. what does it mean that God gave them up into the desires of their passions? Like, wh- what does that mean that God gave them into that? It is a fantastic question. And really what God, what, it, what Paul is saying in Romans is that a sign that God is, that you are under the judgment of God, is actually... Uh, we actually have this uh, strange way of viewing judgment. Uh, we we look at the things that are happening and say, oh, wait, these, these things are running rampant. Sin is running rampant. We are in danger of incurring God's wrath or incurring the judgment of God, not recognizing that the fact that sin is running rampant is an act of the judgment of God. Right. That what And what he's saying is, is that when you begin to see people being disrespectful to parents, when you see that people are not, uh, when people don't accept the gender that God has assigned to them, when you have people who are immoral in their, sexual, immoral in their sexuality, when immorality is is being defined by people apart from God's revelation, uh, that is evidence that God has turned us over yeah. to our own decisions, and we are incurring God's judgment. Literally, that is where we are today, not just in America, all over the world, mm-hmm. the entire world. It really is it really is a scary time, and, and, and as we say scary, I really, I fall into that mindset of this is what people say to me all the time, because mm-hmm. I really, I personally do not find it scary right because 
because the whole point is is that it's like when you are in the midst of uh, I, I get this picture in my head where I'm where I'm being bullied by people or I've got these guys around or I'm like, I kind of see myself out walking alone or whatever. And then a bunch of guys come around who are a little bit older than me, a little bit bigger than me and have been teasing me and pestering me and picking on me and so forth. And I'm got this nervousness of what's going to happen now, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm surrounded by people who want to harm me. And then my dad drives up, you yeah. know, and it's like, Oh, well that's over. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right. and so I don't have a fear anymore. In fact, yeah. Just before he gets out of the car, I might get a little bit bolder in my, you know, in my conversation. Yeah. My, my might take up a step in my walk, and so for them, pray to God that it actually his him get. That's how I kind of see the return of Christ. Yeah. I see it as we get a little bit bold. We we should be getting a little bit bolder, seeing that he's getting ready to come around the corner. And uh, and so we need to be – and I think that's what the, the New Testament constantly yeah. is saying. Hey, you need to be he's bold. He's coming soon. Yeah, he's coming mm -hmm. soon. So be bold in your presentation and and act as though you believe he's getting ready to be here shortly. Uh, but it will – but the enemy is is – He's up in his game, mm -hmm. and he's going to do that. He's going to. Uh, he's been putting down principalities and powers all over the world and so forth. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, though I believe that the end is near, and uh, we've been studying Revelation uh, on Wednesday nights here, and, and the the thing that you see is that actually the end has come multiple times in history. Yeah. All the events of Revelation, at least the majority of events, have already been played out multiple times it's just that what is saying is that it's, it's really a cyclical thing there will be a last time right. it plays out but this may not be the last time but i do believe it's one of the times i believe it's getting ready to cycle through that it's we're getting ready to go into a time when everything good is going to be uh wiped off and cities will fall and it will be a dark time if it either will be the last time god does it or it will be one of the last times that he does it but because uh, there are a lot of antichrist with a little a uh before the final yeah. uh before the final one comes but so yes in romans 1 that was what paul was experiencing in rome yeah. uh so he's saying the things you see happening with rome right now they're they're practicing these things. God is giving them over to these things. That's what he was telling the church there. Well, guess what? Rome fell. Yeah. And so that was the end of that empire. And if you think about the fall of the Roman Empire, it's not the fall of the city of Rome. I mean, it did fall. But the world fell. Yeah. I mean, because they were holding everything up. And uh, and you look today, and then you look before them, it was Babylon. Yeah. And when Babylon fell, they were holding everything up. Then Persia fell, and they were holding everything up. Then Greece fell, and it was holding everything up. Then Rome fell, and it was holding everything up. And you and you see that repeated historically. Uh, the Holy Roman Empire uh, was holding everything up, and it fell. Um, you don't have to think too hard to think, who's holding everything up <laughs> now? Right. Right. You know, I mean, what nation is there that sends... You know, this is what we were looking at what was happening in Afghanistan, right. and they were saying if we had if we weren't in South Korea, then North Korea would have prevailed. If we right. weren't in, in Western Europe, then Eastern Europe would have prevailed. And 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 all these different places where we have our we as a nation are trying to hold these places up, and at some point when we fall, uh, everything falls. Yeah. And and the world knows that, and so as much as they criticize us, and a lot of people hate us and make fun of us, they know you take us if we go down. Everybody's Everybody goes down mm -hmm. for this season. 
And it's interesting to see how easy that could happen. You know, the last yeah. couple of years, we came like really close to like a, a breaking point. You know, yeah. as a yeah. as a commu- as a country and as a culture. Um, and it's only one well placed civil war away. And yeah. the civil war is apparently only four well placed years away, <laughs> yeah. where you know we we all hate each other and it yeah. all goes down. Yeah. And, yeah. How quickly we can How hate each other and 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 dissent and have dissension uh, in our ranks and so forth and and no matter how what your justification is or what you think about it and so obviously in every civil war that's how people think uh, right. and and the reality is we can't keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as you want to, the word tells us as believers that we are to be united under one king. Yeah. And and we are ambassadors for our king in this kingdom, uh, which is I know technically is not a kingdom, but you know anyway, it's such, such as. But we are we're ambassadors, and we're just supposed to be representing our Lord well. And so we 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 don't take a Republican position or a Democrat position. We take Jesus's position, whatever that position is. And 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 we have to remind ourselves that those parties will are fluid. They they will change and so forth. And so don't don't get so hardened aligned with anything of this world because it will shift because there is a power that is over all of it, over all of the world systems. And he is not a he's not two powers. That's what that's what I think really throws Christians off. Is that you're like, oh, Republicans are of the devil and Democrats mm-hmm. are the devil. Well, I'm going to make a statement that's not going to make me super popular right now. They're both of the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not. Jesus didn't come up with that. Uh, the enemy, the superstructure that he has, he, anybody who is not a, filled with, the, empowered with the Spirit of God, a part of, you know, his plan and purpose, is of the enemy. And uh, and so the enemy has and he has principalities and powers and forces of darkness in every institution, every uh, empowerment all over the planet. And and God's people are to be separate from that. We're within it, but we are and we are to be effective in it. We're not to leave it, but we are to be internally uh, separate from it and and maintain faithfulness to our father's agenda above all costs. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was a good week. Glad we were able to do this, you guys. Thanks yeah. for thanks for hanging out, and uh, we will see you, the listener, next time on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson, or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.